Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Mod Path Chat, the official podcast of Modern Pathology, featuring interviews with authors and experts on the latest science, technology, and developments in the field of pathology. Your host, Dr. George Netto, is the editor-in-chief of Modern Pathology and the chair of pathology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Here's Dr. Netto. Welcome to today's special episode of Mod Path Chat. In today's episode, we will highlight the upcoming long course at USCAP 2021. The course is entitled Pulmonary Pathology, Practical Problems and Solutions. I like the title, by the way. The virtual course will air on March uh, 13, so I encourage the audience uh, to subscribe and attend. Joining me today are the co-directors of the course, Dr. Sonia Dasik and Dr. Mary Beth Beasley. Dr. Dasik is a professor of pathology at the University of Pittsburgh and the director of anatomic pathology and thoracic pathology at UPMC. She is an editorial member of the fifth edition of the WHO book on thoracic tumors, uh, which uh, she tells me is coming hopefully out soon. Dr. Beasley is a professor of pathology and the head of thoracic pathology at the ICANN School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, New York City. She is a very prolific author and an expert in the field and a member of both of, of the pathology panel at the International Association of Study of Lung Cancer. Needless to say, uh, both are experts on thoracic tumors and have been heavily involved in developing guidelines for molecular biomarker of mesothelioma and lung cancer, and hence they were tasked with this uh, task of, of co-directing this important course. Thank you both for accepting my invitation. Thank you, Dr. Neto. It's a great pleasure to uh, chat with you today. And uh, I think I speak for both of us. It's a really great privilege to co-direct this exciting course. We wish the course would be in person and we could see all of our attendees, but given the circumstances, we hope that everybody is healthy and will join virtually our course this year. Excellent. So uh, I would like to start uh, with maybe briefly uh, each one of you uh, tell, tell our audience uh, what are the main objectives that you had in mind when you designed this course. And, and why should they come? Why should they attend? Feel free in any order you wish. Well, I think 
Um, hopefully people will really enjoy our course. We did try to put together a combination of important and emerging topics in both neoplastic and non-neoplastic lung disease. Obviously with the COVID pandemic still going on, we did choose to go with a talk about acute lung injury in general um, with incorporation of COVID-19 information. Um, additionally, there's been a few um, guideline articles on both idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis and hypersensitivity pneumonitis that have come out, which I think are important for people to understand from the pathology perspective. And then, of course, in the field of lung cancer, things are just continually exploding, um, not only in adenocarcinoma, but also other thoracic malignancies such as mesothelioma. Um, so there have been exciting new developments there. And then finally, immunotherapy is, of course, a rapidly expanding area that goes beyond PDL1, which we're all fairly familiar with. So I think it encompasses a broad range of topics which should um, hopefully appeal to people and enhance their practice as well. Excellent. Sonia, anything else you want to add to our audience? Yeah, I think I can add. And we really try to invite <laughs> many uh, speakers. Uh, as you can see, it's... Uh, a uh, group of wonderful speakers who all presented uh, at the academy meetings before. They're all either stars in the field of thoracic pathologies or upcoming stars of the thoracic pathology. So we kind of tried to really invite uh, established speakers as well as uh, next generation of stars in a thoracic pathology uh, who really can add like a different niche than some of us who are like old fashioned pathologists, I would say. So let's hope that this course is going to really be fun for everybody who attend this course and hopefully everybody will learn something new and we'll be able, as we said in our uh, title, to solve the practical problems in pulmonary pathology. Excellent. So, uh, without saying who's the, who's the established, not we're not going to say old, and who's the upcoming, uh, probably it's a good uh, time now to uh, to tell our audience uh, who are uh, your faculty in the course. So, Dr. Maxwell Smith, Dr. Andrew Churg, both will talk about the interstitial uh, lung diseases uh, that uh, Dr. Beasley just mentioned. And uh, there will be uh, a future episode focusing on that, uh, so stay tuned. And uh, then Dr. Borzak and, uh, uh, to talk about the uh, different phases of invasion in lung cancer. And uh, I know she is upcoming and one of my favorites, I have a bias, she used to be our resident and fellow at Hopkins, Dr. Natasha Rechtman. Uh, she'll be talking about neuroendocrine tumors uh, and uh, all the new things happening there. And then Sonia will go back uh, uh, as, a, as a lecturer and talk about mesothelioma classification. And uh, then Dr. Jennifer Boland-Fremming, uh, to talk about uh, the unusual lung tumors uh, from morphology to genetic. And the course will end with uh, uh, Save the Best uh, for the End, Lynette Scholl, Dr. Scholl, to talk about biomarkers of checkpoint inhibitors. So what a, what a, uh, a list of, of really uh, great uh, lectures. So uh, I'm, I'm glad uh, and I can't wait to attend it myself. So since we're going to do, like I said, a special episode about interstitial lung and uh, one uh, uh, with uh, Natasha about neuroendocrine tumor and one with Lynette about the PDL, maybe we can, uh, I would appreciate your uh, saying, you know, some take-home message 
what is uh, happening or what's your vision on where the field is going and, and the other topics that we're not going to dedicate a podcast to. So namely, maybe uh, one of you can tell us about mesothelioma, what's new, what should I, somebody like me who doesn't follow on that topic, uh, since it's not you, and, uh, so what should I learn or why should I come to that course? And uh, then uh, if uh, the other person can talk about uh, the ever uh, not ending, expanding field of genetics of lung cancer. So let's start with mesothelioma. What's, what's hot now? So mesothelioma is really a rapidly evolving field recently. You know, when we compare it to lung cancer, um, it's almost kind of like neglected child, if you will, in a pulmonary pathology. But what really happened in the last few years in terms of genomic studies, in terms of implementation of AI, in the diagnostics and uh, genomic classification of mesothelioma, um, these are basically the main kind of like a changes that we've seen. And most importantly, the, uh, the new findings are really reshaping the morphological classification of mesothelioma. So I don't want to give all the pitfalls and all the take-home messages because I want attendees to come and actually hear what we have to say on this topic. But it's really very uh, rapidly evolving field. And uh, what's most important, I think, that the new WHO classification is really trying to address mesothelioma as a clinical pathologic entity together with morphological findings. And hopefully what we learned in the past four or five years about genetics of mesothelioma is going to reshape the clinical trials and eventually, hopefully, the treatment of patients with mesothelioma and outcome. As we all know, unfortunately, it's still a very deadly disease with no cure, but hopefully with these new discoveries, mesothelioma will be a different disease in, in the upcoming decade. Excellent. And how about uh, lung cancer, especially in non-small cell? I mean, have the field finally matured? I, I, uh, I've, I've always followed up on this and see how the pie, you know, the pieces of that uh, big circle, the pie, it's, uh, it's probably now 75, I lost track, or 80% of tumors you can assign them to a driver mutation. Have we pretty much saturated this, or you think uh, we will have a day when 100% of the tumor, every tumor, will you will be able to tell me what's the driver mutation? I don't personally think we've saturated the field. It just seems like the bigger the NGS panels get and the more things that we continue to test for, there's just more and more mutations. And then ultimately, um, we'll hopefully have targeted therapies for those. Um, I think a good example recently, even though it's older, is KRAS, something that we've known about forever. That's one of the more, most common mutations that we see. And finally, we're starting to see drugs emerging that can target that. Um, kind of on the flip side, we're seeing rarer mutations that we're detecting once you start doing larger and larger NGS panels that are um, the subject of clinical trials and have promising um, drugs that can target those. So I, I don't think we're to a saturation point with that yet by any means. Excellent. So just, just since the course is about practical problems and solutions, so I, I want to ask a practical question. Uh, how in both institutions and with you being leaders in the field, uh, every lung tumor now get an NGS panel, what kind of panel, how large, and you think that's enough or are we going to even move to whole exome and, uh, and beyond in order to find these very, very rare, like you're saying, drivers? So you can, you can tell us. 
about your relationship? That's a really great question, George, because it really depends uh, where pathologists are practicing uh, uh, pulmonary pathology nowadays. If you are in a big academic centers like Meribet and myself, um, you know, patients will get, get get the large panels, you know, and those big panels are never big enough. So, and we are moving, at least in my institution, we are moving to whole exome sequencing and the transcriptome as a part of the clinical care. At the same wow. time, we still have practices with, where EGFR, ROS, and ALK testing are struggle, and they have to be mm-hmm. requested, and uh, not all of the patients will get tested. So, uh, we hope that with this course, we'll uh, get the message out that this is supposed to be molecular testing in lung cancer, supposed to be a uh, standard of care, and hopefully molecular testing in the lung cancer will be equivalent to testing in the breast cancer. Basically, it should be reflex testing, and everybody should get it. Um, and hopefully that will make a difference then in outcome, and lung cancer will become a chronic disease rather than a deadly disease. Although I could say we still have like a really, we've seen the progress in terms of the outcome in the lung cancer patients, particularly those in which we identify the targets. And even we can say it's just the 1% of you know, abnormalities, it makes a huge difference for the patient outcomes outcome. For that patient is, is 100%. It was good. <laughs> and, and his and her family, excellent. Well, that's that's very ambitious goal and I surely hope uh, yeah, we all uh, look up to lung cancer as, as the paradigm and the example of how old solid tumor hopefully in the future and like Mary Beth said the KRAS is a great example even if you don't have treatment but knowing how crucial and uh, it is uh, pharma will continue working on that till uh, till we get it and uh, so anything else you want to add Mary Beth for for what Sonia said? I just hope that our course will emphasize what an exciting time it is in a way for lung cancer because when Sonia and I both started training, there was so little to offer patients. And now we have therapies emerging, you know, every week, every month, almost, it seems for these targeted um, foci. So it's terribly exciting. But I do think that there is a disconnect. And I, I know Sonia and I both discussed how we realize what a bubble we live in in academia whenever we go and speak at a more, um, you know, a different type of setting where people just don't have the resources to do this testing in-house. So, um, and I, I do think that there are some variations from state to state. I know New York is very different um, in regard to billing and reimbursement than Pennsylvania is, for example, and I can't speak for the rest of the U.S., but I assume it's similar. So I think there's some hurdles that go with lung cancer testing that perhaps aren't present with other tumors at this time, and those need to be um, overcome as well. But I think by continuing to increase awareness of the importance of it, eventually that will happen as well. But it, it is surprising how few patients get tested once you're outside of a large academic center. That always surprises me. So I do hope we can continue to push that and emphasize the importance of it. Excellent. And it's really thought leaders like you engaging government stakeholders and reimbursement agencies like CMS to make sure that that uh, the science uh, justify, you know, uh, this uh, what at certain time used to be thought just an academic exercise. Now it's no longer that. Um, I'm really amazed to hear science saying uh, moving to whole exome and uh, transcriptomic that will be in the clinical realm. That will be awesome.
So uh, I think we used our time. This has been uh, very enjoyable, and I hope it was as enjoyable to our audience. Uh, thank you uh, not only for uh, accepting, uh, you know, taking your some time from your busy time and do this uh, podcast, but also more importantly for the great course that you put together. And uh, while uh, I agree with you, I wish it was in person. Uh, the advantage is these will be taped, and a lot of audience around the world will have access that could have not traveled to. To uh, we were going to be in Baltimore, right? Yes. Uh, so uh, so there are always uh, two uh, two aspects to, uh, to to everything. So thank you very much, and I look forward to meeting you in future episodes and to uh, reviewing your articles that you sent to our great journal. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Bye. Any opinions expressed in this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the views of modern pathology, Springer Nature, UAB, or USCAP. Your ModPath chat host and scientific director is Dr. George Netto. Producers are Christina Crow, Amber Jackson, Dr. Sarah Jang, and Dr. Catherine Ketchum. Technical direction is provided by Kaminsky Productions, music by Mitch Neubauer. Thanks to the authors, reviewers, and editors of Modern Pathology for making this podcast possible. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.